0: Well, good morning. Uh, we, uh, Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Um, it's nice to hear. Um, just wanted to uh, take a moment and uh, introduce my family to you this morning. This is my wife, Anna. And uh, this is Brody. And Brody is four months. And here is the infamous Braddock. Braddock is 20 months. And uh, as, as we were just kind of thinking through this week, um, on the topic that we're gonna talk about today which I'll clue you in on in just a moment I was thinking about these two little guys and I was thinking wow I can't wait to be able to tell them everything that I know all the mistakes that I've made some of the good stuff I've picked up from other people I can't wait till they're old enough where I can encourage them Uh, I, I can't wait till I can uh, just have those conversations to get them dreaming big and, and knowing how big their God is. And I just can't wait for that moment where I can just kind of unload and download everything that I want to say to them. And then the next thought struck me. What if they don't want to hear it? That would be such a drag to me that, that I've got so much that I can't wait to tell Do you know that, Braddock? Do you know I want to tell you a whole bunch of stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I do, uh, so badly, but what if, you know, they get to like 13, it's always 13, and they don't want to hear it. Um, What if for the next 18 years, what if it was the opposite? What if they actually wanted to hear what I had to say, but for the next 18 years, I just remained completely silent? I had had some knowledge, I had had some life experience, I had some encouraging words to share with them, but I just chose to zip it, and they had to figure it out on their own. That would be such a drag. And I think it's just the same for us when it comes to our Heavenly Father and the Word of God that He has given us, His Word. He is so excited he has so much to share about his heart, his character, his purposes, and his plans, if we're open. He hasn't remained silent. He wants to share. Now really the only question is, do, do we want to listen? And so there's the end of, you're in illustration today, buddy. Is that okay? Yeah? <laughs> Yay. There you go. See you, buddy. He's just dying to go backstage and eat Cheetos. That's we. Bye. We have to clean him up between every service because it's it is hard keeping a toddler clean for more than three seconds. Is there anything? I mean, real, really is is there anything harder than reading God's word? Nobody wants to laugh or, oh, good. I've got two honest people right here in the front. I mean, really, if, if we're honest, I mean, why? This is, this is hard. We struggle with it. I get paid to read God's word and I have trouble doing it. This is a, this is a difficult thing. And then there's times where I, I get that moment where you're like, whoa, I'm so fired up to read it. And then you open it up and you're like, I don't understand anything that I just read. This is difficult. And in this journey of of difficulty, maybe that some of us experienced a couple times or a lot of times, I think a lot of us have just kind of walked away from the Bible. And this identity series, we're talking about some things that every Christian needs to know, things that draw us all together. And today, we're talking about personal devotions, time in God's Word, because this is one of those things that's it's so difficult. I'm going to tell you about it a little bit more at the end of the talk today, but I just went through a season about three or four months at the end of last year where I I just, I did not want to read the Bible for myself. I mean, I'm in it every single week preparing a message or something, but it was a tough one. And I still come across passages I don't understand. And yet, this is one of the most important things for us to get a handle on. Because our very relationship with God is cultivated, it's matured, it's encouraged as we spend time listening to what He has to say in His Word. If you have your Bible, uh, open up to Second Timothy, which is right after First Timothy. <laughs> You're too kind, Second Timothy. Chapter 3, it's near the end of your Bible if you're not real familiar. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Um, we heard that all the free ones, uh, the vast majority of the free Bibles, we had a lot, um, were taken after last service, which is a good thing, but it's sad news for you. Um, but in the, in the uh, bookstore, we still have um, Bibles available for purchase, and we will be getting more free ones if you can't uh, swing it. Um, or it will be up on the screen if you memorize well. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is key right here, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's such a cool passage about the Bible talking about the Bible. And it's so neat to me that that, uh, Scripture is God-breathed that he literally just infused his life into the words that are on these pages. That thousands of years ago, as these chosen people were given this task by God to put down his thoughts, his characters, his history, his poetry, his letters, that through these faithful men, God breathed in to them that everything here is literally the breath of God, the Spirit of God alive in in these pages. Go a couple books to the right, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Another very cool verse on Scripture. Look at verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is living and active. No other book is alive. I grew up with the never-ending story, That, that movie, The Scary Dragon, it looked like a big dog and the little Indian boy, and all, I, I love that movie, I still love that movie, um, but even that book was not alive. This is the only book that could ever make the claim that it is living, and that at the proper time and the proper way, God uses what is in here to connect with our lives. He's desiring that that's the case anyway. It is not dead. Every other book that was written was written for information. The Bible was written for transformation. It was meant to change lives. And it's got this ability to dive in like a sword, double-edged sword, and separate right from wrong. Separate should I do this from should I do that. Give us the right words at the right time. It's incredibly powerful. But I think it's real power comes in the link that the Bible has with Jesus himself. Christianity isn't a religion. It's not just something for us to follow a list of rules of do's and don'ts. Christianity was meant to be a relationship with this living God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we're like, well, okay, that sounds pretty good, but how in the world do I have a relationship with someone that I can't see or I can't touch? That's gonna be pretty difficult. And so God in his wisdom infused everything that we need to know about the fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus Christ himself in the Bible. If you want to interact with Jesus, if you want to develop your relationship with Jesus, if you want to grow closer to him, if you want to become more like him, if you want to grow in wisdom... And this is what you wrestle with, and this is what you touch. Look at John. We're talking about scripture today, so we're going to use a lot of it. Go back to the left. John chapter one. I'm going to give you a break here in just a moment, but this is good for you. I promise. John chapter one, verse one. Familiar to some of you, I'm sure. It says, in the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. A lot of you know where this is going, but for those of you that don't, this is kind of an interesting passage. This is just such a cool thing where it's just saying, okay, in the beginning was the Word. God and the Word are one and the same. They've always been. We're like, well, okay, well, what's, what's the Word? Who, who is the Word? Why does it say he was with God when it's just been saying the Word? Look at verse 14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth the word is Jesus Christ Jesus Christ came in flesh and blood to give us that tangible touch but the fullness of him is that he's all God And Jesus and the Word and God, they're all one and the same here. If you, in fact, you go back, look with me back at verses one and two, and pull out the word Word and replace it with Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. And so we've been invited into this relationship with the God of the universe. And that's right off the bat, I mean, that that relationship is not going to be like any relationship that you've got. That relationship isn't always going to be easy, and yet I believe it to be the most crucial relationship in your life and my life. And so we have to wrestle with whether it's worth it or not for us to dive into God's word. We have to come to grips with this book. Because I believe that our maturity depends on it, our lives depend on it, the lives of people around us depend on how willing we are to to dive into this, and there's going to be seasons where it's going to be harder than others. But I think that there's some pretty amazing benefits if you and I would commit to reading God's word. I think there's a bunch of benefits. We're just going to look at four really good benefits today. If we were to really commit ourselves, maybe make this year, the the year of the Word in your life, a year that maybe starts you diving into God's Word if you've never done it before. Maybe a year where you're committed to get, get back into it. Maybe if you've fallen out or just been inconsistent. Or a year to maybe embrace some new aspects of God and Jesus as you continue to read the Word, if you've already developed that habit, and that it would go well beyond this year, but that this would be something that, based on how you wrestle with God this year, that would just be so phenomenal for your years to come. The first benefit, I, I think, is, is a really good one. One of the first benefits to reading God's Word consistently, diving into the Bible, is that you conform more and more to the likeness of Jesus when you read God's word. You are transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you, but 2 um, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All of us were meant to grow and be transformed into looking more and more like Jesus. Not, Not physically, you're not gonna grow the beard women with the long hair and suddenly get blue eyes like in the weird pictures. Jesus didn't look like that, by the way this is not going to happen. You're not going to read the word and suddenly, wow, I don't look the same anymore physically, duh. Um, it, It means in heart, in character. And God's plan was that as Jesus sends back to heaven and then puts his son, the spirit of God, alive in you, that you would be transformed into looking and behaving more and more like him in your words and in your actions. That there would be Thousands of little Christs just walking around this globe, giving people a good, accurate picture of what Jesus would have been like if he were here. And the more that you stay connected to this Jesus, the, the more that you will conform more and more to his likeness. That, that's what's so cool. That's what's so special. It's kind of like if you had a pet for a really long time and you start looking like your dog this happens it's it's really weird some of you I've seen you you look just like your dog (laughs) wouldn't it be so cool if you got mistaken for Jesus by something that you said or something that you did somebody just maybe it was a little kid and they would be like whoa are you Jesus uh no but I'm connected I'm on the inside track with the big guy we're like this wouldn't that be cool Wouldn't that be amazing, somebody that just came alongside you and went, okay, I have no clue what Christianity is about, but just by listening to the way you talk and seeing the way that you act, if Jesus is like you, then I'm on board. The more connected you are, the more transformed you are. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, back to John. This one I'm going to actually make you turn to and then... You don't have to anymore, unless you're embarrassed of what people next to you will think. Okay, John chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus himself. This is, this is good. John chapter 15, look at verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, Here's your job as a follower of Jesus, plain and simple, stay connected to Jesus. Your job as a follower is not to avoid the wrong things and do the the right things. Your job as a follower is simply not just show up at church on time and and, uh, it's not even to just read the Bible so you can check it off your list for the day. Your job as a believer is to just stay connected to Jesus and let him work the rest out. The more that you stay connected, the more that you will be transformed, the more that you will bear fruit. He says, if I'm the vine, you are the branches. You think about that just literally for a second. How many branches connected to a vine are like consciously trying to bear fruit? How many branches have you walked by a a vineyard somewhere and you walk by the vineyard and you hear the branches going, and you see them like grimacing and then a grape pops out i really you don't see that the branch doesn't have to try to produce fruit as long as it stays connected to the vine fruit is just the natural byproduct it just happens and so it's the same with us when we stay connected to jesus through his word you just make that a commitment whether it's difficult on a day for you or relatively easy that then you just begin to produce fruit you begin to mature you begin to conform to his likeness you're transformed second benefit and this one's huge second benefit to being just connected so deeply to god's word is that i believe it gives you the ability to daily triumph over sin and temptation. Psalm chapter 119 verse 9 through 11 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to have this amazing way to, to fight sin and temptation in your life, then Make an aggressive commitment to the word of God. You hide these passages away in your heart. I mean, especially if you, if you start to memorize scripture. I mean, this is when it gets amazing. I mean, you get a song stuck in your head before, and you just can't get that thing out of your head, and you're driving along, you want it out, but you can't. How much better if it's the word of God that is stuck in your head? I guarantee you that if you are just bathing yourself, marinating yourself, saturating yourself in God's word, you're memorizing it, hiding it away in your heart, that when you get to these moments of sin and temptation, God's got a sense of humor, and you're ready to dive in on something you know you shouldn't be diving into, and suddenly that verse pops up right in your view. You're like, ugh any good how much harder is it to sin when you can see Jesus handing you the memory verse right there look at no, right here it's like a the plane with the big banner behind it it's Jesus is at the the helm of that plane and here whoa there's that verse it's this happens there was a time in my life um, early on thankfully where I, I had the worst mouth ever and um, whether it was cussing or um, Putting people down. I was really, really like skinny and and weak and small, um, like yesterday. Um, but especially when I was a kid, and um, and so I, I I used words just to um, get back. And um, my mom actually got me uh, a Bible, and uh, it had these little blowout sections, where you know, cool little. Th- it was kind of a kids' Bible, and and um, there's a passage that jumped out at me that one of the other pastors was reminded me of just last service and it just brought back this this whole memory of reading this verse about not in Ephesians not letting any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is useful for building others up. Just in that moment of reading it I I realized wow this is not my mouth. And As I began to memorize that and read that over and over and over again it became a turning point for me. I can do the same for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Put to death sinful deeds. This is pretty big. God's hope and desire is that you would live with a sensitivity to His Spirit. That with that sensitivity, you'll be able to put to death these things that we struggle with. Well, how in the world would you live by the Spirit? How in the world would you develop this sensitivity to the Spirit? Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 17, says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is in the armor of God passage. It says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God, then, is what allows you the sensitivity to hear God's voice and to yield to it when you need to yield to it. Get fired up about it when you need to get fired up about it. You've got some situation coming your way that you don't know how to discern. If you have God's Word, the sword of the Spirit, that situation's coming. (laughs) And suddenly, it's clear, I need to do this and I need to not do that. You've got some sin or some struggle and that's coming at you, sword of the spirit. It divides that. It just gives you this ability to figure out what it is that you need to do and how you need to to do it. Even Jesus himself, in Matthew four, where he's being tempted by Satan. Satan himself is tempting Jesus. And how Jesus overcomes that temptation is by quoting scripture, by bringing up verses, these holy scriptures. And in that moment, he's hearing some lies from Satan and he goes, okay, okay, that's a lie because I know that the scriptures say that this is the truth. And he's able, able to overcome it. If Jesus Christ himself used the scriptures to overcome sin and temptation and it worked for him, I just believe how much more do we need to be doing that? So it's a huge benefit that you can overcome that sin and temptation. But I think the the next biggest benefit of diving into God's word consistently is that at the right moment, at the right time, you will be able to give the right words to people, the right counsel to people. That's such a huge benefit when you know God's word, when you're committed to it, when it's just flowing through you that at the right moment you can get that appropriate counsel to people that so need it. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't know Jesus at all and they've got all sorts of questions. And just offhand you'd be able to, to explain the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done simply and in a way that they'd understand and backed with scripture. That's, that's huge. Maybe it's somebody that's just a friend of yours that is a, a follower of Jesus and, and they're just having a rough time in their lives but because you're so bathed in the word that you would know just something that would encourage their soul right at that specific time and be able to to share it. It's amazing, sometimes you may not have read your Bible for weeks and weeks and weeks and then you decided to that morning and you came across something. How many times have you done that where you haven't read the Bible in a long time and you decide to one day and then sometime later in that day you have the opportunity to use that verse for yourself or for somebody else around you. Has that ever happened, Would you raise your hand? It happens, all, all over the room. It's Such an amazing thing. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. That's so cool, that's a beautiful picture. I mean, the, the right words at the right time is something of it is something of beauty. It is something that's useful to other people. So a huge benefit. It just increases the ability of you being an amazing friend or an amazing spouse or an amazing husband or wife or parent, employer, because spouse and husband and wife are the same, if you didn't, didn't catch that. Fourth and final big reason that I think we just need to be in God's word, and and this one's huge, is that I believe that when you are really in the word of God, you are able to connect with God so that you can enjoy him. This is is supposed to happen, by the way. You're actually supposed to enjoy God. God. And this is something I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if, if we all grew up in the same like mean Baptist church that like Lynn grew up in or whatever he talks about that all the time that he grew up in that really mean Baptist church. But at some point like we just figure, okay, this is something I'm supposed to do. It's the right thing to do, but I certainly can't enjoy it. And I certainly can't enjoy God. There's, there's something that's just so wrong. God wants you to really enjoy the relationship. He doesn't want to be that friend that you never call just because, you know, I don't really like hanging out. Do we have to invite him today? I don't want him to come along. He's such a killjoy and just, oh, no, thank you. No, like, God wants you to enjoy him. But, but I've learned that the longer that you spend committing to the, developing this habit of spending time in the Word, the more that you do enjoy it, and you do enjoy him. It's so cool. You begin to find your satisfaction in him instead of other things. That takes a long time, by the way, and I I still struggle with it. But it's so important to look at uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Catch this picture. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Whether you would call yourself a Christian or not in this room right now, does that not sound appealing? I want to be like a tree planted next to some waters that's just bearing its fruit and and um, I, 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 nothing is withering in my life, whatever I do prospers. It doesn't mean that you go through hard seasons, but you're just so much more well equipped to survive those difficult times. You're like that tree planted by waters, producing this beautiful fruit, being so replenished when you need to be replenished, offering what you need to offer to others when it needs to be offered that happens, you just soak up this amazing God. That's just so cool. But we don't always feel this way, do we? We don't always, you might intellectually understand these benefits. We don't always, like, want God's word. We, We don't always feel like reading it. I went through that season, like I was saying, where I just... I was just struggling. And uh, I talk to people constantly where, where this is an issue. You know, I just don't feel like it. I can't even do it. I know some people that are scared to. Then I came across this verse. Last verse I'm gonna show you. Second Peter, which is near the end of your Bible. Second Peter chapter two. So, I'm sorry, it's 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2, right at verse 1. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. First time I read that, I read it just like I just read it to you, improperly. I read it like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. Now I've got to grow up in my salvation. I was like, okay, I I didn't get that right there. That sentence doesn't even make sense to me. Um, I don't understand it. I'm supposed to be like a little kid who craves milk. If I crave God's word as much as babies crave milk, then I'll I'll grow up. And uh, it made me think of Braddock and Brody because they, like, wake up from a nap or in the morning, and they want milk, that's all they want. And they scream until they get milk, and we just have to plug their screaming hole with milk and then everything is, is fine. They don't have to worry about craving it, it's just natural, they just do. But then I was like, well that's the problem, I'm an adult, I am lactose intolerant to scripture apparently, And I don't always crave it. So I'm not like a newborn baby. Therefore, I can't do this verse. But I was an English major in college, and so I went back and began to reread appropriately because I I know how a comma works. And so look at verse 2. It actually says, like newborn babies, comma, crave pure spiritual milk. The in the comma crave pure spiritual milk part is now a command. It's not like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. It's like newborn babies, I'm going to tell you, you need to crave pure spiritual milk. Now in that moment, God just commanded me to feel something. I was like, what? How can God command me to feel a certain way about something? that's not right. He just cheated. That's totally unfair. In other words, God's going, you don't crave God's word? Well, here's the answer to it. Start craving it. What? That's what he says. He's like, if you need to crave God's word. If you don't crave it, get over it. Start craving it. Get over yourself, get over your hang-ups, get over your issues and start craving it. Go for it. I still find that pretty harsh. But then I also know God to be a, a God who always provides a mean, means for me to accomplish what he commands. And so if, if God's word can start new Christians, don't you think God's word can create a desire for mellowed out believers? I'm pretty sure it can. But for me, it took a while. It took a while to crave it. So I had to just start doing it. So here's what I, what I did, and you can take this or leave it. Maybe some of you are, are just, you know, you, you've never read it much, or you've got to that you know, point where you have bailed on it and need to get back in. If you already got something going on, continue with that. That's totally cool. Here's, here's what I did I was getting bogged down where I'd open uh, the Bible and I would read something. I'd go, okay, I got to get something life changing out of this. And then the next day I'd read the same thing. I got to get something huge and life changing out of this. And third day, same thing. By the end of the week, I had like seven life changing things that I needed to do. And it was just way too much for me to swallow, it was overwhelming or I'd open it up, and I wouldn't read what I was, I wouldn't understand what I was reading, and I would just be frustrated, close the Bible, and walk away. I wouldn't come back to that passage. Or, I'd read it rather quickly, not get much out of it, and wouldn't come back to it either, and just continue on. None of those are good. So, randomly, I open up to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy has four chapters. And it's not a terribly long book. And I thought, I'm going to go ahead and just read the whole book of 2 Timothy. I'm going to read all the way through it, start to finish. And then the next day, I I actually did. I read that, start to finish, 2 Timothy. Depending on how fast you read, it takes like 10 to 20 minutes. I read through 2 Timothy and finished. And you know what? Nothing happened. I didn't feel much. My life was not changed forever. So then the second day, I opened up Second Timothy again, and I read the entire thing in its entirety straight through. I didn't get bogged down, I didn't slow down on areas that I didn't understand. It was written as a letter originally, so I read it like I was reading a letter that I had received, just start to finish. By the third day, I began to anticipate passages that I remembered from the first two days that I kinda liked, it's like, oh, here comes that part that was kind of cool. And by the fourth or fifth day, I was starting to go, hmm, it's like four in the afternoon, and I read it in the morning, and I'm like, I liked that part again. And now I'm remembering it after I read it in the morning. But by the second week, I did this every day for two weeks. I read through the Second Timothy in its entirety every single day. Not getting bogged down, but just cruising through it. And by that second week, I was beginning to try to figure out ways that I could apply what I was reading to my life. And by Nate, I was starting to memorize stuff. I wasn't trying to, but I just read it so many times. I had most of it even just kind of paraphrased. And it turned out to be a pretty good method. And again, you take it or leave it if you want to, but going live on our website today, I went through the whole Bible and I picked out passages that would take you between 10 and 20 minutes to read. Some are entire books of the Bible and some are just passages. And we have put them by date order that you would do two weeks at a time. And I would encourage you to try that out. Get you through this entire year. And if you could do that, I believe that some real life change would begin to happen. Some real maturity would start to take place in your life. And it would revolutionize your life and the lives of all of us here in this community and and maybe the outlying communities as well as we really nurtured and developed this amazing relationship with God.